You're listening to the Backroom Beer League Podcast with your hosts, Jacob, Nigel, and Greg. Bringing you your fantasy sports content recorded from the back room. To stay up to date, follow us at BRBL Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And rate the podcast to show us your support. Now, here's Jacob, Nigel, and Greg to talk fantasy sports. We're recording episode 18 at 9.29 p.m. on Tuesday, June 23rd. You're listening to Jacob, Nigel, and Greg. And uh, this week's episode has our fantasy player spotlight back in the lineup. Uh, news regarding the NHL draft lottery and the official return of baseball. Our fantasy booms and busts, uh, kind of like a hot take segment. But before we get into any of that this week, I just want to address the absolute snub of the Hockey Hall of Fame that is Alexander Mogilny. Patrick Elias? Sorry, what? Nigel, I I would say that Patrick Elias will eventually get in there because he was actually like a pillar of the Devils team for a long, long time. But the the snub of Alexander Mogilny um, was actually brought up on the Spit and Chicklets podcast where Rear Admiral said uh, something like, Alex Mogilny was the first Soviet defector to enter the NHL, and he pretty much didn't know if he was going to get cut up by the KGB when he went to sleep at night. They had to sneak him through like Sweden and shit. I don't care what you say. I think he deserves to be in there before Marion Hosa. I think you would agree to that, Greg. Yes. Um, you don't like Marion Hosa at all. I hate that guy more than anything. If you don't let Alex Mogilny into the Hockey Hall of Fame and you then turn around and say, okay, Marion Hosa, you've made three back-to-back-to-back Stanley Cup finals with three different teams. Yeah, you've had a great career, but did the KGB chase you down from the USSR on your way to the to the National Hockey League? Uh, you being the first of your kind to ever appear in the National Hockey League? I don't think so. Uh, case closed. That's my little rant before we start our fantasy spotlight. Uh, I We called it our weekly pick segment in previous weeks. But uh, my weekly pick uh, in the fantasy spotlight is Anthony Rendon, baseball player. Uh, us talking about the return of baseball in this podcast has me thinking a lot more about baseball. Uh, I, I like to talk about it on the podcast um, as much as I can. But I think Anthony Rendon is one of these players that consistently goes uh, from being, you know, having a great week and everybody notices to then sinking below the radar and having still a great year, but he's he's just so underrated. And it wasn't until the uh, World Series last year where they won the whole title when he was on the Nationals. Now he's on the Angels. It, will, it wasn't until the World Series uh, that everybody noticed, holy shit, this Anthony Rendon guy can actually hit for average. He can actually get on base, take walks. He can hit home runs. Like He's a great player. Uh, and I think in a fantasy uh, aspect, he's definitely going to be a pricier trade. If you try and trade for Anthony Rendon, as I did last year, uh, you're probably going to give up a, a, a pretty penny to get him. Um, but I think if you do get it for what you would consider a a fair price, 
he's going to be worth it because he puts up crazy stats. Last year, he had 34 home runs, which was a career high. He had a 319 batting average, another career high. And he had another uh, career high in 126 RBIs. And then he finished the season with a 1.010 OPS, uh, which means he he's on base a shit ton of time when he's playing baseball. Do I think he's going to have a career year uh, going to the Angels in future seasons uh, on his new contract? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to repeat those numbers, but he, he's going to come damn close. Because when you think about it, uh, Anthony Rendon is now hitting with the likes of Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, David Fletcher, all good hitters who can hit home runs or hit for batting average. He's hitting in that lineup, and uh, they can't pitch around any of those players if you're uh, if you're pitching against the Angels. So he definitely has the potential to repeat or do better than those numbers. He could hit 40 home runs, I think. Uh, I really like the guy. He's a, he's a great asset to my fantasy team, and uh, he's he's probably a player who isn't on the Yankees who I'd buy a jersey of. So if that's not uh, case in point enough on why you should take Anthony Rendon in a fantasy aspect, then I don't know what is. I think that Rendon on the Angels lineup is a very interesting mix because you're getting guys like Trout and uh, sometimes Otani, and you're putting them with Rendon, who I believe is in, like I've always enjoyed watching Rendon play Jake. I remember when he was really starting to come up. Yeah. And uh, I always found that it was fascinating that he, uh, well, he really pulled through in a lot of games for the Angels when. I'm like, obviously Trout is on another level, but he can't be God every single game. And, um, I, I think that the, the, the addition to him on the lineup makes things extremely difficult for opposing pitchers because you really can't pitch around anybody. Definitely. And I mean, Rendon is 30 years old. He's not like uh, an Acuna Jr. who is actually overtaking uh, Mike Trout in a lot of dynasty rankings and just overall fantasy rankings uh, among fantasy baseball experts. He's 30 years old. He's not like some young prospect coming up and and crushing it, and you're not sure whether it's it's manageable for him to keep putting up these kind of numbers. He has a whole resume of seasons like last year in Washington where he's putting up so, so uh, like such good numbers that, that you can't really ignore them, but for whatever reason, people do ignore them. Um, I know fantasy pros uh, this year's uh, dynasty rankings and uh, consensus uh, rankings by their experts have, Anthony Rendon placed at 20 overall in the whole league in fantasy players. And I just don't hear his name uh, talked about enough in articles that I read or, uh, you know, just write up pieces on, on fantasy sites. I think he's often overlooked. I think, you know, I, I said myself that you probably have to trade a pretty penny, but the fact of the matter is if some guy just doesn't know a whole lot about Anthony Rendon and just kind of, you know, snoozes on him, you know, he could think that he's just another one of these guys who puts up one-time numbers and drops. Like, I really don't think that's the case. 
Speaking of guys who aren't appreciated enough for the work they put in, uh, from the sport of hockey this week, my fantasy pick is Jonathan Huberdeau. In uh, 69 games in the 1920 season, he uh, put up 23 goals and 55 assists for a total of 78 points in 69 games. Uh, a top dog in Florida that doesn't get enough credit due to the team he plays on. Huberdeau is a lock for both the return to play and the 21-22 season for any hockey fantasy players looking for a guy that can probably get later than they should who will easily produce. Yeah, I mean, I like Jonathan Huberdeau. He had a great year this year. I heard lots of guys talking about him, both in just, you know, uh, recognizing his his hockey talent on on TV broadcasts, but also in a fantasy setting. Um, I think an interesting thing to note is that uh, one of his line mates or one of his teammates, I guess, I'm not sure, I think they play on the, on the same line usually, um, Evgeny Dadanov, uh, the right winger in Florida. He becomes a free agent this summer. And I'm just wondering if that has any sort of effect on Jonathan Huberdeau's uh, value going forward with the team if Dadanov is really an asset to his success because I know even though he had a, a little bit of a down year this year in the past he's had you know 70 point seasons on Florida and uh, I, I really think he kind of feeds Huberto sometimes um, and he kind of feeds off the success of Huberto, they kind of work in tandem. So I'm I'm just saying that if if Dadanov didn't resign with Florida, which I don't know why he wouldn't, but if he ever went somewhere else, I'm not sure uh, how that would affect uh, Huberto's um, success. Yeah, long term. That's a good point, Jake. And I've um I've had the pleasure of watching Huberto play hockey since I was the age of like 11 because he um he played for the Sea Dogs and he was um the leading scorer on the first Memorial cup team that we had in St. John. And he was like, it's funny because like we're talking about him on this podcast right now. And he was fully like my idol growing up because like around that time and stuff, which is kind of, it's kind of crazy to think about, but, um, Huberto is, he's just a winner in my eyes. And he's a consistent point scorer. He can get his teammates, the puck, He's an all-around player. He can back-check, I think. Fantasy-wise, I think it's beneficial that he's so consistent. And, um, you know, just as a player in general, he's uh, he's definitely amongst the underrated wingers in the National Hockey League. Yeah, and I mean, coming from the 2011 draft being, I think he was like third overall or something? Fourth he was overall. third, yeah. He was third. Yeah, third. So. It's it's funny now because for the longest time I never heard anything about Jonathan Huberto, like relatively anything about him, um, how he was doing in the in the hockey league. I just kind of lost track of him, and I mean it's kind of easy, I think, for some players at least uh, in the in the National Hockey League to kind of fall out of touch with kind of the mainstream of what's going on, but. Now this past year, I hear Jonathan Huberto a lot more, and I think it's just kind of funny how he he kind of woke up this year, at least to me, and and kind of showed everyone that hey, he's still only twenty seven years old. He still has a lot of hockey left in him, and if he 
puts up these kind of numbers going forward with Florida. Bobrovsky does well going forward. Barkov still puts up these kind of numbers. Florida could actually be a pretty good team. Yeah. And like I was talking about Huberto playing for the Sea Dogs. And in that 2011 draft, I think he was the best out of the top five picks in that draft. I think he's had the best career, in my opinion. He's had a super good career. Nobody talks about it, though. Like I think he's arguably one of the most underrated players in the NHL yeah. just because he gets stuck in I think I think that he has had a better career than both Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Gabriel Landeskog, in my opinion. Landeskog is close. It's cl- I agree in Hopkins, it's close. but Landeskog, Landeskog was close. off to such a slow start. He had a couple years where he was basically ineffective. I do think if point I think I think Landis Cog does lead the point total of that draft year, but I'm not hundred percent. I think he does. And I think Landis Cog is also uh one of these guys that just dominates in plus minus. He's always effective on the ice when he's on there, even if he doesn't do anything that gets him on the on the point total sheet. So I don't know if I'd agree with that statement, but I do see what you're saying. Like I do see how you could say it's an argument now, at least. It's yeah. not just a, a clear a runaway for for. Uh, In my the eyes, player. the best player from that draft is Shifley. Yeah, I, th- I could see that too. Because it, when you when you really when you're looking at that draft, there aren't really many standouts. Definitely Zibinet- fantasy wise. Yeah, <laughs> like Zabenajad is just starting to heat up. Yeah. Um, Same with Dougie um, Hamilton's. Uh, Bennington. Yeah, Bennington. Dougie Hamilton's been pretty. Again, he's he's just started to really heat up too. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's that draft is because you're you see you see guys that are drafted in the third and fourth rounds that have made incre- like very good careers out of it. Like Jean Gabriel Pajot was drafted ninety six overall. Mm-hmm. John, Johnny Hockey's drafted. Um, I think, God, this is this is off the top of my head. Johnny Hockey was drafted like 105th, I think, 106th, something like that. Yeah, that draft had a lot of sleepers, and I think Huberdeau is. I think the fact that he got drafted to Florida is the reason he's a sleeper, and fantasy wise, because for the first years of his career, Florida was kind of well for lack of a better word, they were shit. So, No, you're completely right. I mean, you lose track of, of a team like Florida all the time. Like it, It's the same thing as if you were drafted to uh, to Arizona and you're like Oliver Ekman Larson. Like, How much do you hear about him in, in daily hockey news, right? Yeah, but he's definitely one of the best defensemen in the league. Exactly. Um... <laughs> There's a picture of me with Jonathan Huberto as a kid, and he has his arm around me, but his arm didn't reach across his shoulders. He just has his hand placed on my neck, and it's real awkward. (laughs) Thanks for sharing, Greg. (laughs) I remember his hands being extremely sweaty. I feel like I need to see this picture at some point in my life. Yeah, you just teased a lot of people who will never see this picture. <laughs> it's um, I'm not going to I was going to be like it's on my Facebook. Blah, blah, blah. People are going to start creeping me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get yeah. so many bot friend requests. Anyway, I'm pretty sure 
I'm pretty sure most people that listen to this podcast are already your friend on, on Facebook. So I no, think you don't know sad. that. Dude, isn't there some guy <laughs> from like... Yeah, there's like some guy yeah. from Ireland. If you're listening shout to, to you, man. Like, shout out to the people who have listened from Ireland, Germany, and the UK. So, and there's like some weird people from like Virginia. Wasn't there somebody from Virginia? Man, Virginia's not a country. It's literally a state. <laughs> no, but, yeah, but I'm not saying it's a country. But I'm just saying like the states, the, not not people we know. Nigel goes. There's some weird people in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is. I mean, there's. I mean, at least it's not Oklahoma. At least it's not Oklahoma, dude. <laughs> I don't know what happened to Greg in Oklahoma, but goddamn, every single episode of the first forty-eights in Oklahoma. Joe Exotics from Oklahoma. It's just a shit yeah, show down there. Like we're in love with him. No, no, no. He's still. He's. Uh, oh, we're really getting on the. No, I'm not. We can't. Um, <laughs> we, we can't because there's been new things that come up about how Carol Baskin killed her husband. I. She 100% did it. She now owns <laughs> Joe Exotics Park, and it's a goddamn abomination. And I will not rest until justice is served from that cold-hearted bitch from Florida, Carol Baskin. Anyway, I have a massive editing. <laughs> um, my weekly pick um, is Tyler Boyd. He's a uh, wide receiver from the Cincinnati Bengals. And over the past couple of years, this guy has really proven himself to be one of the underappreciated fantasy wide receivers. Um, I know that he uh, he tore my ass up to pieces one week, and I was really fond of that. But um, some thinks that Tyler Boyd uh, has done in the past couple of years, like um, 2018, 2019, he uh, received over 100 uh, – Jesus, I just pulled a Nigel – received over 1,000 yards <laughs> – um, for the past two years when he uh, was filling in for the injured A.J. Green. And that's something else I wanted to bring up about Tyler Boyd and fantasy is um, the return of A.J. Green will definitely affect the production value of Tyler Boyd. But I wouldn't necessarily think it to be a negative thing because I think A.J. Green is going to attract a lot of attention from uh, secondaries and um, I think Tyler Boyd could take advantage of that because he's proven himself to be a very good wide receiver in the league. And um, of course with Joey Burrow going there from LSU, their QB positions definitely improved, but I think it's improved especially because they finally have, well, somewhat of a stable quarterback and, a, and at least they know they're going into the season knowing who's going to be their starting quarterback instead of, what they normally do. Um, yeah, but with Joe Burrow coming in there and providing stability in the quarterback position, someone who can definitely distribute the ball way more cons- on a consistent level than guys like uh, like AJ McCarron, injured Andy Dalton, those the bums that they've had in years past. I think that Tyler Boyd can definitely be a draft steal for you because I don't see him going in the early rounds but I think he can be a um, a positive flex piece or even a wide receiver too on your team for sure yeah I could see it, it's my thing is is outside of Joe Mixon I have no confidence in anything Cincinnati I, I was to just going to say you've been a Tyler Boyd hater 
No, but see, I'm not. Like, I I think he has potential, but it's not nothing has potential in Cincinnati. I think that's a really pessimistic way to look at things, Nines, because I pulled up some stats on Tyler Boyd today, and I seen that Tyler Boyd played 30 of 32 possible games in the last two seasons. Yep. See that rising from Cincinnati. So, no, nah, see, John Ross is just the guy who gets injured. He was constantly. wide receiver 18 in PPR in 2019. He had the eighth most receptions, 22nd in receiving Damn. yards, not that good. But looking at this season with uh, Joe Burrow, He's very similar to Justin Jefferson, who Joe Burrow played with at LSU. And Justin uh, Jefferson had 1,540 receiving yards and 18 touchdowns to his name. Does that mean that Tyler Boyd is going to get those numbers just because Joe Burrow is coming in? Not exactly. It It doesn't guarantee anything, but it certainly bodes well if he's a similar player going with Joe Burrow uh, in, in Cincinnati. I think he's probably going to get a lot of looks from Joe just based off the fact that they're similar players. Yeah, and with A.J. Green coming back, um, I feel like the thing that Zach Taylor would want to do the most with uh, Tyler Boyd would be to throw him in the slot. But um, I think that the draft, uh, the draft pick of T. Higgins in the second round was very underrated by the Bengals. I think that was a really smart pick. And I can imagine... Yeah, I can imagine them shoving T. Higgins into that slot receiver role and allowing Tyler Bo- Tyler Boyd to get to the outside, um, make some make some plays happen, you know. Uh, but see, the double edged sword of that is now you can deal with the possible issue of an overcrowded receiver room because you now have AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, John Ross, John Ross. You know, you've now got a lot. John Ross is their wide receiver four. Yeah, I don't think See, John Ross is a you factor say that, there much. But pre-injury last year, he led the entire league in every single receiving stat. Then he got injured. So if he can stay healthy, he won't be wide receiver four. Well, yeah, we, but like you have to think about like any player can lead any any group of stats in in the beginning of the season. Like, yeah, I, but it was like it was like a solid four game tear, and then he got like yeah, but four games, like, four games, right? Yeah, but it's also you have to look at. There's not a, like a rookie receiver is not obvious. I don't think will take instantly take John Ross's spot. But there's still overcrowding is an issue. You have too many good players with a rookie quarterback who I, likely isn't going to be able to make all the reads, and he's going to do a lot of short reads. You can easily see issues with getting the ball. Around. I feel like overcrowding is definitely a position that the Bengals will accept to, themselves to be in. Considering where they've been in the past, and I mean, if we, if the three of us are off. sitting here genuinely believing that all four of these guys are going to go the season without being injured, we're dumb as hell. Yes, yes. because it's going to happen. But like, because Cincinnati's practice field is awful, and their actual field is awful, and just. You do kind of you do kind of contradict yourself there, Nice. Like you do say there's overcrowding of talent at the WR position, but then you also say in the same breath that there's nothing good comes out of Cincinnati. So See, I didn't say there's nothing good. I said I have no faith in well, besides Joe Mixon. I beg to differ based on your based on your analysis of the wide receivers. I just think they have to get rid of Zach Taylor. I think that's option one. Because your issue now comes with rookie quarterbacks often have simplified reads. Like they don't 
see the whole field. To be fair, Joe Burrow was running an NFL style offense in college. Yeah, I don't that's, think he's going to be that hmm. simplified though. It's not going to be like it's like I'm going to roast myself here, and we're not going to have to draw Mitch Trubisky drawings for him. Like it's it's not going to be like crayons on paper for Mitch Trubisky. It's going to be a bit more big boy stuff for Joe Burrow. I think there's, there's just it's also how much do they want to commit to the run, and there's just a lot of fucking variables that nobody knows is going to happen. That's true. I feel like I can, someone, I can understand that. someone's going to leave the Cincinnati Bengals offense this season unhappy, whether it be AJ Green or Joe Mixon or their entire fan base and every player because they go 1-15. and 15. Before we go down that rabbit hole, I think we should move on to the actual news we have this week. I agree. Not too much. Not too much news, but uh, we weren't recording last week. We didn't have a new episode out. So this is kind of old news at this point, we'll, but we'll go through it. Um, the return of baseball on June 22nd, it was announced that the MLB owners voted unanimously to proceed with a shortened season. This season is going to be 60 games and uh, pretty much the terms um, in in a shortened segment are two years of universal DH. Training camp is uh, starting on July 1st. Um, seasons starting, I think, on July 23rd. Uh, yeah. The opening games, July 24th, the rest of them. A regular season will end by September 27th because uh, the whole reason this thing was like a matter of how shortened it would be is because the TV companies didn't want to move their playoff schedule games. So that's going to be on September 27th as usual. And uh, players can choose whether to participate or not. I've already seen two players, not real big names, uh, bow out as of Monday. Uh, Mike Leake of the Arizona Diamondbacks and Ryan Zimmerman of the uh, defending uh, world champions, um, the Washington Nationals. But what I have to say about it, the Yankees have plus 300 or plus 350 odds. I don't remember which, but they have the best chance of any team to win this. Um, cough, cough, Garrett Cole. Uh, two years of un- universal DH is really good, I think, for not only the game, but for fantasy. It extends players' careers. Guys like uh, I seen actually in a joke today, people are wanting Barry Bonds at 55 years old to come back and, and hit DH for the Giants. I think that would be beautiful. I, I bet Barry Bonds could hit like 15 home runs in a 60-game season. But uh, that and there was also one change uh, to this 60 game format that I don't really like runner on second and extra inning games to make them shorter so they don't go 10, 11, 12 innings. So they stop a little bit of fatigue in in a shortened season. I think it's stupid. Um, It really shortens the games in a fantasy aspect. You don't get as many extra innings sometimes if you need extra fantasy points to kind of close out that game you're playing. But I don't know. That's those are my quick thoughts on it. Can we just talk about how cold it's going to be in the World Series, man? Holy hell. If that thing's in New York. What are they going to are they going to centralize like do they do they plan on doing hub cities or making everybody? They travel? are not doing hub cities. They're Yikes. actually traveling. It's it's See, yeah. That's what makes me worried. It the the way coronavirus is moving across the U.S. right now has me worried that it's just gonna go full stop here and like not happen at all. But as of right now, it's still on. So I thought we'd talk about it. I think. But uh, I'm excited. 
I am too. I think one of the most interesting things about this is that in terms of pitching, um, if you're looking at a basic five starting pitcher rotation, which I believe most of the major league teams run through, uh, each starter is going to get like 12, 12 games, which is insane when you think about it. Because there are pitchers that go through like 10 game stretches where they are untouchable. So you're going to see guys like, um, like Jay Happ who couldn't swindle something that they're in the Cy Young race or like any guys that just catch fire. And I think that's a part of me thinks that's exciting, but it also takes away from guys that are older coming up on the ends of their prime of their careers that have a chances to win those awards that are definitely not going to get the chance to now with like the, it being really about kind of like luck now in this there's format. Pretty much, there's pretty much two ways this can go. You can either have a 15.0 ERA in 12 starts, or you can have a zero ERA in, two, in 12 yeah. starts. That's pretty much how it's going to go. And like you said, a J.A. Happ or uh, Corey Kluber or one of these old veteran pitchers, uh, Zach Granke, could literally sneak in with a 1.0 ERA and have a banger of a season with 12 games to play. It's it's really up to the conditions if the if the baseball season goes ahead and uh, – I don't know. There's obviously a lot of extenuating factors that kind of have to do with a pitcher's performance, given the circumstances, you know, all the protocols in place. God knows who will come out and kind of overcome everything happening around them. That playoff pitching is going to be sweet, though. I I don't know. I I think that... I, I was always of the opinion from the very first moment it happened, like the whole shutdown of, of sports leagues that you can't treat it like a lockout and, you know, people will be disappointed in the moment. But if you drag it out like this, because kind of a side note here, the way COVID-19 is, is blowing up in Florida right now, do you really think we're going to see basketball? No, I really don't. Like it just it disappoints you almost even more when they start talking about oh we're gonna do this 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 and this to prevent spread and and, and we're gonna do this to make sure it uh, carries out the way we plan but like y- you can plan all you want but the fact is you can't change what the governors are doing to combat the virus and if Florida's governor wants to say. I don't care. Go out on the beaches, even though we have like, you know, 9,000 new cases a day. It's, it's worrying for any sports league trying to come back, especially the MLB when, like I said, they're traveling across the country and into Canada and stuff. It's, it's, and with the negotiations being as tense as they were, like, I feel like, like a few players getting it, it's just going to be, it's done. Um, but going on to our next topic in the news portion of the podcast, there's been some drama around the draft lottery. Uh, a lot of people saying Detroit got screwed with the way the first overall pick got handed out to a team in the play-in round of this new adjusted playoff format for the NHL. Uh, so what pretty much happened for anybody that's unaware, but I'm sure you are, uh, an unnamed team to be further... Uh, to be uh, mentioned later after 
the results of the play-in round uh, will pick first. Los Angeles, the Kings will pick second. Ottawa has picked three and five, and Detroit will pick fourth. So a lot of Detroit fans pissed that they dropped from first to fourth, obviously. Ottawa kind of expecting three to five, two two to four, somewhere in that range. Los Angeles, Los Angeles pretty much is is jumping for joy because they thought they'd have five, and they're looking at picking Byfield or Steitzel now. And uh, pretty much just to wrap up this whole blurb, the the first overall pick that everybody's pissed about, all the dramas about, it's going to be decided amongst the eight teams who fail to pass the play in round, who get knocked out of the play in round. Uh, and each team will have a 12.5% chance of winning the pick. If the season does not resume, it will be decided from the eight lowest teams in the league uh, based on point percentage, I think, with the same 12.5% chance of winning. So, Hot take. It was rigged. Hot take, Nigel. It's a draft lottery. Yeah, but listen, there's like, I look, you look at Batman, and like, Batman's been all about TV ratings for the NHL. That's all he's given a shit about since he came in. He has done a lot of shit that has pissed people off and pissed players off, and the way the game plays off to help improve TV ratings. And what's going to improve TV ratings more for a return to play than now making their incentive to watch the teams play because they have a shot at the number one? It, it it increases the odds of tanking because they have to lose the play in to actually get any chance. Yeah, but now pick. you're going to be like, oh, I want to watch to see who's got the shot. Like, it increases the odds of you wanting to watch to see who's going to get it because it's not now. It's not set in stone. Increases if the Habs the get the pick, I will not be a hundred percent turned off by the idea of it being rigged. Yeah, I'd love to see him go to the Habs. If I'm brutally honest here, I. I think it makes sense. I swear, I'm telling you, the only I'd idea I have off the Brooklyn Bridge is Taylor Hall is just going to be Taylor Hall, and they're going to get that fucking pick, and I'm going to be pissed. Well, I think one of us can be definitely looking forward to the play-in, and that's Greg, because Pittsburgh actually has a legitimate chance if, for whatever reason, they're knocked out by Montreal. Not saying that that's a likely scenario, but if they ever were, they have a chance at getting Alexis Lafreniere. I mean, that's that's a pretty good consolation prize. Well, I gotta be, I gotta be honest for for, for Lafreniere, that might damn near be the best that but the, the best thing for his career. We are all on the fucking ball tonight, Jesus Christ. I would I would agree with you, Greg, because like, who wouldn't want to go to a team that has Sidney Crosby to hone your talents and, and develop as yeah, a player. Yeah, you get to one of the greatest to ever play the game. Boys, it's mm-hmm. literally part two because this exact thing happened with Crosby and Lemieux. I can also spit if you didn't realize that. That was bars. I really think that if Lafreniere went to Montreal, he would not only would it build his uh, fantasy capability, I think, in the future because, you know, Kakaniemi... Uh, there's there's so many young players developing in Montreal right now. They're gonna they're gonna have a pretty good squad, I think, in a couple of years. Um, adding Lafreniere to the mix is only gonna just you know speed up that process. And I think he'd actually be like really, really, really happy to play for Montreal. Maybe maybe he kind of get crushed by the pressure of playing for his hometown team, kind of thing. Um, but I don't know. I think I think he'd be awesome in Montreal. 
How about we move on to fantasy booms and busts before we run out of time? So pretty much I think what we have on here is we have four from each sport. Is that correct, Nige? Yeah, something along those lines. I tried to do it roughly that. Uh, First sport being baseball. uh, Fantasy booms and busts. Who do we think is going to have a great season this season or uh, uh, bust and, and pretty much bottom out this season? Given the adjusted seasons, um, I don't think we're really going to take those into account. We're going to treat it as if it's just a normal season ahead and uh, how they could have a good fantasy year in those constraints. So uh, the first one on this list, Jorge Soler, uh, outfielder for the Kansas City Royals. Um, I really like Jorge Soler. Uh, He pretty much went from failed prospect status to pure power hitter, he was always he was always regarded that way by prospects or by uh, scouts rather. Sorry, when he was a prospect um, as a pure power hitter, but he kind of suffered. Uh, his batting average was really low um, before this past season, and uh, he couldn't really get to the two fifty mark. Um, he was still hitting home runs, obviously, because he has really really big power, but. This past season, uh, I forget what he hit overall. 265. Uh, 265. Which is there only you go. 10 he, above his career, which is 255. Exactly. So as you can see from his career average, 255, not so good. But last season, he kind of picked up the slack, hit 265. Can he do that in the future? He, he I hit he almost can. half of his career home runs last year, though. 48 home yes. runs last year, 86 total career. So he hit over half. That's a problem, although he is still very young. If I was to say if he's a boom or a bust this coming season, I would probably lean more towards bust because we've seen it happen before with baseball players, especially in the sport of baseball. It's kind of very touch and go sometimes. I think Jorge Soler might have had a bright spot um, in his game, but I really don't know if that's a very viable fantasy option going forward. See, power hitters scare me. Like, I look back at, um, I'll say, like, the, my mom's a Jays fan, so we always watch Blue Jays. And, like, the 2014 Jays, when the whole team was just trying to hit home runs, and it was just pop fly fucking city. That's why power hitters scare me, especially in fantasy. And with 265 being his, like, top dollar batting average, I'm with you, Jake. I'm leaning more towards bust. It's not even the 265 that scares me. It's the 265 that's just like, that's where he's topping out at. So if you say, okay, 265 is his absolute ceiling, you're looking at a guy who's hitting, you know, a quarter of his, a quarter of his plate appearances, usually 250 batting average, hitting for average. Um, You know, I tend to like guys that have a 280 or 270 batting average just because you can count on them to get that clutch hit uh, and get it often because they hit for average. They hit way more than these guys that hit home runs. And home runs are an important statistic in baseball, but fancy baseball. But uh, I'm going to go bust too because I'm going to go bust because I don't trust pure power hitters in fantasy. I would almost go boom because I want to give Royal saying something to possibly feel good about, mm. but I'm going to say bust. Uh, just a quick note before we move on. Jorge Soler, like I said, 
Kansas City Royals. Um, when I said uh, Anthony Rendon earlier, there's nobody you can pitch around in that lineup on the Angels, like Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, David Fletcher. Uh, there's tons of people to pitch around in the Kansas City <laughs> Royals lineup right now. He won't get pitched to if he's any threat at all. So, And it's happening right now. I mean, you have Whit Merrifield, Jorge Soler. Uh, it's just... It's not a big lineup. Maybe it's in the shit city in Kansas City. Yeah, when you have Bobby Wood Jr. in the future, maybe. Yeah, then he might be a little bit better. But you can pitch around him right now, and he's not viable for fantasy. Uh, next player on the list is Austin Meadows, outfielder for the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm going to say boom right off the bat because Austin Meadows, another potential field prospect, he has turned into one of the best players on my fantasy team. I own him myself. Uh, he pretty much doesn't strike out, gets a lot of walks, hits home runs. He hit a 280-some average, I think, last year. He pretty much touched the 300 mark a few times uh, during the season last year, and I think he can really keep that up. He's blown up the rankings. He, I think he's maybe in the 40s, 30s now in the overall player rankings in fantasy. I think he's definitely set especially on the Rays lineup nobody to pitch around you've got a lot of good players on that team I'm with you Jake I'm gonna go boom it's a little risky because looking at his stats uh before last year he had six home runs in like yep. just over uh 51 hits yeah but his career batting average which is what I love was 290 last year 291 so it wasn't like it wasn't like his his batting average almost wasn't held up but like I'm I'm like you, I, I really batting average for me is a really important stat when I look at hitters. So that's why I'm leaning towards the boom. But Definitely. it just seems like Tampa Bay is like a really sneaky good team too. So he he's got some support. Tampa Bay is gonna be really good. I think that um I think it's an extremely big risk, especially when you look at guys that pop off for one year. Um, I will go boom though, because I feel like the Rays are going to be, do very well. Um, but I will say that this guy either booms hard or he busts hard. I mean, I, I had him my whole year last year in fantasy, uh, Played him a few times at the at the start of the season. He was a bit cold, and I was kind of worried because I had him on my team, and I knew what people were saying about him. Could he be a bust? Could he be a failed prospect? Then he just turned on the gas, and the way he goes to the plate now and takes you know three balls every second plate appearance, and and kind of runs up the pitcher in in how many pitches he throws, makes me feel like he's confident and he's. He could have boom potential. The next player on the list is Bo Bichette. Fuck it, I boom. think this is consensus. It's it's a boom. He broke yeah. coming up in his rookie season last year for the few games he played. I own him, love him, never gonna trade him. Boom. This man hit I'm so excited, man. He hit four hundred in his first over four hundred in his first twelve games. He's fuck I think yeah. he's I think in like a few years we're gonna be talking about Bichette being one of the best shortstops in the MLB. I think he's a future MVP. I honestly agree, Greg. I think I he has an upside. Think about it. You have, uh, you know, Vladdy Big Butt, we like to call him. <laughs> uh, 
Bobichet, Kevin Biggio. You have Austin Martin coming to the team. You have Danny Josh Jansen, Josh Groshans, uh, Gritchuk, Danny Jansen. You have a lot of good players in that lineup that are young that are going to build uh, up their their batting average, up their career as a, as a whole in Toronto. Hard lineup to pitch around. Boom, he's he's definitely going to for sure. Uh, last player in baseball, Bryce Harper. Uh, I'm going to surprise you guys and say I think he's going to have a good year next year. I, and I'm not even just saying that to give him a little bit of hope because he's pretty much useless thus far uh, in terms of what his money uh, was expected to do to him. I'm, they gave him a fat contract in Philadelphia and pretty much expected him to go out and hit uh, you know, 310 and 51 runs, but it just hasn't happened. I think he's going to have a good year. Um I think he has it in him, but it's just I, kind of been. I genuinely hope he does. I'm going to say boom just because I hope the guy does well, but he's got to prove it. I agree with uh, boom because, like, my thing is after one mediocre year, people are acting like Bryce Harper's just never been a good ball player. Yeah. Like he's a good. Like he's he was. There's a reason he got that money, and it's because previous he was the second best player in ball. He was a fucking dog, and I, like. I expect him to be back to being a fucking dog here soon. So I'm going boom. Yeah. And uh, starting off football, we have Austin Eckler running back for the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to say boom. I think Austin Eckler's stock is going up. And uh, I'd like to actually hear what you think, Nods, because you put a lot of value in Los Angeles uh, going forward. Bust. Only reason. There's no way he replicates being the third best running back in fantasy. No way. I don't see it. Does he have to replicate no, have but a like, good year? Though? I don't think he's going to boom. Like he's I'm saying bust because I think he's gonna be taken way too high. And I think he's gonna like he's now as much as like he had Melvin Gordon to help take attention off in the later half of the year, and he also lost Phil Rivers, and he got a lot of PPR to Phil Rivers because Phil Rivers could only throw that far. So it's like I can see him doing well, but I think he's gonna bust compared to how he played last year. I don't think he's going to do as well as he did last year, but I'm still going to say boom. They got an improved O-line. Um, I think that they'll throw the ball a hell of a lot less than they did last year. Melvin Gordon's not there to take away his reps. Um, that's that's also, yeah, I agree. That's a two-sided argument because he did take some attention off of him. But um, I'm going to say boom because I have um, I have some faith in the guy, but like I can easily see it heading south. Next guy on the list, we have Tom Brady of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I couldn't bust a harder. Fucking yeah. bust. Oh, my God. Here's Mike Evans. Fuck off. Brady played like shit last year. I don't care if you say his receivers were bad. He couldn't make the throws last year. He doesn't have the arm. And now Mike Evans is going to look like shit because you have a deep ball receiver with a guy who can't throw the deep ball. I'm not even going to hate on Brady as much as I do hate Brady. Um, but his O-line minus his center, Ryan Jansen, is straight-up donkey horseshit. He's got a rookie coming in for tackle. The line sucked last year, and he's 40-fucking-3. Yeah, no. It's definitely a bust. There's not much talent left there, especially for fantasy. I think a lot of people who aren't really uh, that well 
um, equipped for fantasy football. We'll draft him really high um, just because he's Tom Brady and he's going to a new shiny team. Uh, I don't really think there's a whole lot there. Uh, next person on the list, OBJ, Cleveland Browns. I think, I think you know what, for all the shit that I give the Cleveland Browns, I think OBJ is going to have a boom this year um, as much as I shit on Baker Mayfield. Uh, maybe there is hope for OBJ uh, if they fix some of their coaching problems and uh, do it effectively, give OBJ more looks than he got last year. I think he definitely could have potential for a boom. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say boom as well, only because for the – entire Cleveland Browns organization and all of its players. It is 100% prove it years and both Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. need to prove that they are worth what they're getting. I'm also saying, boom, you have Jack Conklin and, and the, the O-line, the tackle situation has been improved. Um, when Baker Mayfield had 2.5 seconds or more, he was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. And the bumbling idiot known as Freddie Kitchens has been kicked out the door for a competent coach. Big facts. Uh, this one should be a fun one. Sam Darnold. Uh, is he seeing ghosts? Bust like Casper. It, it, it's pretty easy. I mean, it's, I, I think it is. Uh, New York is pretty much in a state of crisis right now because, you know, Stinky Jamal. the, the corner. Yeah, the, the cornerstone of their team right now is is saying, you know, I want to get the hell out of here and go to Dallas where I was, you know, born and raised. But I, I just don't see Sam Darnold being effective, especially in a fantasy format going forward. I, I'd say bust. Like I'm going to say bust, but it's because I don't believe in their O-line, their receiving core, and Adam Gase is insanely incompetent. This man's number one is Jameson Crowder. Like, what the fuck do you want him to do? Yeah. He has no yeah. help, dude. It's not even his fault. Adam Gase, I think, is the reason for a lot of the Jets, if not all of the Jets, like failure. Uh, he, like you said, he's grossly incompetent. And I just, with Darnold being coached by him, I just don't think there's any chance for, for a potential boom, um, no matter what you put in front of him right now. Uh, going to the sport of basketball, Zion Williamson, Power forward for the New Orleans Pelicans. Boom. boom. It's, it's not hard. It's, it's not hard. It's an immediate boom, man. Like the guy came in off of a serious injury, literally out here averaging 24 points a game as a rookie, eight boards. He's a beast. He's going to be a boom for at least 20 years. Next Fantasy question. Uh, yeah, it, there's no real debate. I mean, you have someone like Zion Williamson. He walks around like a, a truck filled with bricks out on the court like you can't knock him down he'll knock you down he'll still get the free throw it like he's just an all-around player and he's a machine and moving forward to the other uh one of the other top prospects of his draft class rj barrett uh shooting guard small forward for the new york knicks i'm gonna say boom and i'm not even being because I really think R.J. Barrett had what it took uh, last year. He had a very cold uh, streak near the end of the season, but I think he's going to learn, uh, hopefully uh, not being naive here, the Knicks shake things up with a, a little bit of coaching help, maybe get Kenny Atkinson and get R.J. Barrett some help uh, in the draft. I think he's going to have a boom. As much as I shit on the Knicks, Jake, I agree with you. Like I don't know, I can't really add anything else, but I agree with you that he's going to be a boom. You you summed up what I wanted to say. Um, to yeah. keep it short and sweet, 
uh, it all depends on who the Knicks draft. If they draft a ball-heavy guard, I'm going to say big bust. If they draft a, a forward or a center that can complement RJ's game, sorry, a forward because they don't need a center. If they draft a forward that can complement his game, big boom. Yeah. I mean, it would help, I think, if we had Chris Tapp still on the team for RJ to 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 be playing with. But obviously, the the KP train has has left town, sadly. And yeah, uh, you need to get over that one, big fella. I know. Uh, next player on the list, Russell Westbrook, um, Houston Rockets. What what do you think, Nods? Coming from a Rockets it's fan, so. If he plays like he did at the first half of this year, bust. But if he plays how he played like the second half, boom. Because he all of a sudden flicked a switch and dominated. Rudy Gobert said something to that man, and Russell Westbrook said, okay, I'm going to start playing like a fucking MVP again. But like, I, I'd like to say boom because I really think that he flipped a switch at the end of the him season. and started and figuring I, it out, and it got deadly. The chemistry is there. The chemistry is there. I'm going to say boom as well. If they can keep their heads in check, they're both going to be dangerous. I mean, they're two big personalities, but if they get along as we think we saw them get along at the end of the season, they've definitely got a lot of potential and maybe even, uh, you know, finals worthy potential. I don't want to jinx you, Nige, but maybe you'll finally get to, uh, to a series and uh, and no, a championship get by the Lakers. If the Rockets are gonna win ever in the re- in in the next couple of years, this is the year they're gonna do it. Um, the next sport, last sport, hockey. Uh, we're gonna start with Capo Caco, right wing for the New York Rangers. I'm gonna say boom. I like. It's it's pretty easy. Uh, I know I shit on them a lot at the start of the season. It's it was premature shitting. I'll admit that. Uh, Jack Hughes, Capo Caco, they're two young players coming into the league. They're not going to blow things up right away. Um, I shouldn't have been so hard on them. I I think I was taking my anger out on the on the Devils for for no reason, Nige. Yes. Uh, but I call Jack Hughes a, a, a little bit feelings. of a. But I do think Capo Caco can pick it up on the Rangers, especially with the team that's building around him. The Rangers are sneaky good this year. Just imagine what Capo Caco is going to be like next year. Yeah, I'm going to go boom. Watch this guy play live. He's he's just special every time he touches the puck. Insane speed coming off the wing. The Rangers are building a good foundation. It's definite boom for me. I agree, boom, 100%. Uh, next player. Highly debated, Alexis Lafreniere, center, to be determined what team he's going to. It de- really depends what team he goes to for me. Uh, yeah, same here. Be- I mean, it could be a Jack Eichel situation. Even if he did get drafted by Detroit, a lot of people don't want to admit it, but it really could be a sad existence for him there. Um, I know I, d- I talked about it like our last episode. Like, oh, Detroit would be a great place for him to go, maybe. I, I don't know. I think like I said in that episode too, um, it could be a Jack Eichel situation. He's if, definitely pumped that they lost the lottery. You yeah. know, yeah, no, he'll go to a better team for sure now. Like I'm gonna say bust only because the rookie first overall picks get so much hype, and the NHL is one of the hardest sports for a rookie to come in and make an impact. I so I'm not saying bust because I think he's gonna be bad. I'm saying bust because he's got way too much to try and live up to, and like. Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby are like some of the few examples that have come in and dominated. 
I'm going to agree with you, Nudge. It kind of gives me a lot of uh, Alexandra Dag vibes. Yeah. Especially coming coming from the queue, uh, being a French player. I don't know. There's just something weird about it. There, like, you know, 30 years later, does it kind of history repeats itself? I'm pretty sure it was like the 19, what, 1991 draft. So this is like, this is kind of freaky shit, man. We're, we're kind of in like a, a history repeats itself moment, maybe. I don't know. I uh, think he'll be fine, dude. We mentioned Jack Eichel. He's the next name on our list, center for the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, as as long as he stays in Buffalo, it's going to be a bust year. Fantasy, uh, maybe a little bit better, but bust overall, I think. See, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that. I'm hoping if he forces his way out of Buffalo, like it seems like he might, boom. He's he's a dog, but yes, yeah, sadly, there's no support for this man. So unless he forces his way out of Buffalo, it's a yeah. bust. Right. And I, I told you guys in our group chat today uh, that I don't even really want to call them rumblings because it's a lot of just fan accounts saying, what if this happened? What if that happened? Uh, a lot of people saying, what if these Sharks found a way or one of these West Coast teams struggling a little bit, the LA Kings, even though they have no draft capital, no uh, big pieces to trade on their team. What if one of those two tr- uh, teams managed to obtain Jack Michael? Um I actually think he could kind of flourish with the Sharks if they got their shit together. I mean, they still have Carlson, kind of overrated, uh, but I think Jack Eichel could work well with Carlson, weirdly, on like a power play unit especially. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, Timo Meyer, but they might have to give up someone like Timo Meyer in any sort of trade. Uh, I don't know. I think he'd be a good piece for a uh, San Jose Sharks rebuild. And our last player on the boomer bus segment is Sergei Bobrovsky, goalie for the Florida Panthers. I say boom. I think he had a bit of trouble uh, adjusting in Florida. Really don't think it's that concerning. But then again, look at it, at, at it uh, in a career um, sense. He's getting older. He's not playing in Columbus anymore. Like he's not on top of his game technically. He's entering the later stages of his career. If you want to look at, at it this way, and I think it could be could be a boom, could be a bust, but I'll say boom. I for next shit year. on this guy a lot this year because he got paid a lot of money to kind of play like shit. I'm hoping he booms, but after this year, I think Brabovsky Brabovsky might have lost it. I'm gonna go with bust. I'm going to go with Boom just because I have a little bit of faith in Florida now, but it's a thin line. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe he does turn out to be a, a bust like Nigel says. I know he did slump a little bit this year, but if he can pick it back up, Florida is kind of trending upwards right now. Huberto, Barkov, if Dadanov resigns uh, in free agency – could be a good team if they get another few pieces going forward. So hopefully Bobrovsky can keep it up uh, and, and bring back some of that Columbus magic he was working, uh, especially last year when uh, they knocked out the Florida powerhouse team. Um, also kind of a, a, a regional rival of, of the Panthers, the Tampa Bay Lightning in, in four games to nothing. So uh, that wraps up our, our boom and bust segment. And it pretty much wraps up the show. 
Um, so remember to follow our social media at BRBL Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to the Backroom Beer League on YouTube. And uh, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you back here next week. <laughs>